Welcome to Rowan College of Burlington County's Baroness Podcast. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt, Program Chair and Assistant Professor of our Entertainment Technologies Department. I'm a committee member of the Women's Advocacy Group and subcommittee of the President's Advisory Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And we are here today to listen to these amazing women. If you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. This monthly series highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. Tune in for a female's perspective into the Burlington County community. In studio today is Lavette Ballard, an author, an artist, and an adjunct instructor here at RCBC. And via virtually, we have Dr. Tiffany Rucco, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design and Digital Media at Rowan College of Burlington County. And what I love about this, our little trio today, ladies, is that we are all visual storytellers in our own different media mediums. And I think that is such a cool thing to have all of us here today. And I just want to thank you both for joining with me today, today in studio. Um, I wanted to start off with, you know, I'm a filmmaker, cinematographer, and one of the things I teach my students is the pitch, right? And I think instead of reading your two beautiful bios, I would love to have a quick elevator pitch from both of you a little bit about yourself. Do you think you could do that if I put you on the spot, like a 45-second dissolved bio because both of you have such a powerful, inspirational background. Why don't I go to Lavette first? Okay. Uh, put me on the spot. Okay. I'm a visual artist, uh, Jersey born, Philly loved. Yes. Uh, I work with, in my visual art themes, Mixed media collage with themes of uh, female empowerment, uh, basically focus on African-American diaspora. I mean, African diaspora. Uh, I am an author. I've done uh, two children's books. I have a young adult book coming out. I'm an illustrator, curator, uh, educator, and I guess my two Three biggest claims to fame is one, I was uh, chosen in 2018 as one of the top 10 emerging black artists to collect in America by uh, Black Art in America. And then I was recently chosen as seven, one of seven black artists to follow at, by um, Art News and the biggest thing is I have a work of art that was on the cover of Time magazine. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. I had my art on the Time <laughs> cover of Time magazine. That's pretty much it. Well, we will definitely dive into that um, in a little bit. But I do want to also share the stage with the co-brainchild of this podcast with me um, for our women's advocacy group. Dr. Rucco, could you give us a 45-minute pitch of who you are. Oh, wow. Um, let's see. So, um, yeah, as a design educator, um, I am, I've am i been very passionate about 
guiding and facilitating students to find their own voices and their style um, through their design work, through their artwork, and um, something that I have done throughout my career. I've had I've been very lucky to have very inspirational women guide me um, throughout my educational career, but also my professional career. So I, I try to, um, to pass that on to my students and um, through, through my classroom teaching, through my own artwork, um, and really amplify their voices and give them the, the power and the courage to be their own person, through their, especially through their artwork. What I love about both of your little introductions that you both said about women, inspiring women, and as you know, March is Women's History Month. We used to only celebrate it for a week. They changed it. Now we have the whole month to celebrate (laughs) women, which is awesome. And um, Dr. Ruko had said about, you know, there's all these women that inspired her in her career can you share with me, was there, who, who was that for you? Who was that one person that was that female inspiration for you that kind of helped you along your path of where you are today? I don't, I I don't think that it was any particular individual. I almost, when I look back on everybody that has really been uh, sort of a a central figure in my life and, and how I've grown as an artist, as an educator, as a person, um, there have been professors, especially at each stage, at my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, my doctoral degree. They, there have been women at each stage of my life that have been there um, for specific reasons, um, whether that's personal or professional, um, that have really uh, sort of molded me at that given moment but then everything sort of comes together you know as this as the the picture that I am right now and I don't I don't know if that makes any sense but um you know thinking back over over my my career um and my lifetime uh it definitely started within my family itself I have a very I'm very lucky to have very strong independent women Uh, my mother my sisters all of whom have really sort of instilled in me um, what I know today and what what I what I stand for and what I'm passionate about today. So I think that's where it started. And then um, there are very specific professors that I have in my head from each each level of education that I've been at that have really inspired me from the very beginning, from the first day that I met them. Um, and I still hold their teachings um with me and, and pass them on to my students. And um, so I guess in, in short to answer your question, it's really been depending on the stage of, that I'm at in my life. Um, I've had a, a very empowering female figure um, that has, has guided me. Now, Lavette, I know, you know, she was saying about dynamic figures and, and inspirational figures. You use some really wonderful women in your art were though were these women people who inspired you how how were you know who was that female or those females or those women in your life that inspired you to who you are today i have to agree with her uh, i don't think if you want to be an empowering woman that it's one woman that inspires you 
uh, there's the whole, uh, if you think, I always think back to the um, old African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. So if you are someone who wants to be empowering to others, you tend to kind of lean towards those people in your community that you see are empowering. Uh, uh, just like she was saying within school, you know, I lean towards those educators that I say, I want to be like that, or I like what they're saying. I like what they're about. Uh, uh, people who I saw, I'm very much a visual, um, historian. So I lean towards people who were very empowering in history and more so toward, in my case, towards, um, black history, because, uh, going to school, I didn't learn that in school. Uh, I was blessed, unlike many of my peers, where I had a relative that had a degree in African-American history. So I was always getting that told to me during family functions or, you know, uh, sleepovers or whatever. So that molded you. So that helped mold me. Uh, But I would say if I was, uh, you know... Personally, I always looked to my mom. Uh, she really didn't know what she was doing with this artsy kid. Uh, had no <laughs> clue. She was not, she was an appreciative of the arts. And I don't know if it's like this with other artists, but um, I find culturally in my community, uh, we tend to value those that are gifted with art as a skill. But the protection comes in. Yeah, you you can draw, baby. Go ahead, baby. Draw something. <laughs> Go ahead, draw it for it's them. Good, yeah, yeah, you know, draw so and so's picture for their birthday, or do this birthday card. Yeah. But oh, that's fine, baby. But you you can't get a job. You can't be an artist. Artists don't make any money. Money, yeah. They don't make any money. Go into teaching. You could teach art. Teaching art is good. It's safe. Yep. You know, and that wasn't a. Uh, Mind you, the same person was sending me to art classes, magnet art classes, whatever. Supplies, supporting the hobby, supporting but the hobby it, didn't turn. It, it, it was as long career. as it was a hobby. Yeah, it's a hobby. You're it's a hobby. It's a hobby. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was blessed where I was getting the support, but I was always getting that firm foundation that, you know, you have to realize you have to learn what you're going into and learn the business of it and have the right connections. And that I didn't get until I went to college. And then I was meeting these professors that were connected to the right people. And they were lifting you up and and they were were supporting you. And they were supporting me. So, you know, I really think I agree. It's a village, you know, you find those people and you lean towards them. I can name a bun- at least 10 people off the top of my head that are still friend, close friends, uh, new friends, uh, people I admired over time that are female. But to say it's one person there, there's no way. There's no way. I don't think there's any female that 
is like that that can say there's one female <laughs> no yeah. and i love that that i use that it takes a village yeah um you know i have two young children and it takes a village as a, as a working mom as a female um in my industry in film production it's a very male dominated field and and to have people there supporting you and and lifting you up it and it's not just that one person it's it's an entire village and i really love that you brought that that up i think that's really powerful if you didn't if you didn't have these people lifting you up and supporting you and, 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 you know, pushing you that that hobby then became a career, what do you think you'd be doing right now? I'd be doing the same thing. I, I, I you would just what, have this intrinsic power to just keep I motivating. Doing, I have no, it's so strange, but, um, I, recently was talking to someone who's writing a textbook about black artists and they said well why did you decide that this was not um the other things you were doing in between you getting to where you are in your career this was going to be what you were going to do and I said you know my mom tell used to tell this story about how when I was a baby I used to take my strain peas and carrots and dump the plate onto the tray of my high chair and I'd make like finger paintings with it. And she just thought it was the most amazing thing. And she would take <laughs> Polaroids of it. And I would find these Polaroids years later in my baby book of this mess. And I'm like, why did you take, she's like, that's art, baby. You are artists. Even when you were two, you were an artist. And, and, I, I can't, you gotta use that in your next you gotta, piece. You, you gotta use that, you know? And I just always, no matter what I did, uh, I started off going to art school. I got into at least three or four very good art schools. I originally was going for fashion design. Uh, I got in, I was taking summer classes at Parsons School of Design um, for Art Magnet in my, through my town. And then I got into Parsons for a college. I got into FIT. I got into school, uh, school, um, school of Visual Arts and Art Institute in Chicago. Amazing schools. All amazing, amazing schools. schools, yeah. I chose Fashion Institute because it was close to Parsons and I was familiar with the area. Uh, I went there for a year, ended up um, getting pregnant, and I said, okay, I'll just go to junior college. And I went to a junior college for not even six months because junior college when you have an infant is not cool. <laughs> so uh but I went and had a regular job I was working in human resources but even with that job I was still doing art LeVette I need a um, basket for my baby shower LeVette can you make chocolates for my bachelorette party LeVette it's you do all art always yeah. artsy something yeah. um I'm planning my wedding can you help me plan my wedding um I ended up doing jobs that always were art related yeah. and when I got when I finally met my husband and he was like we met at a little side hobby art show he said well you're gonna keep doing this forever and I was like what do you mean he was like you keep saying you like art and you're doing like little little yeah. things follow your passion follow your passion go to school he was like I make enough money yeah you go to school and you figure it out when you get there I was like well I don't know he was like well you figure it out when you get there take the classes you like for the, see what happens and see what happens and that was the encouragement amazing so it 
it's it was always there even though I tried to kind of sidestep it yeah go lateral moves it was always there and I feel like there's always these aha moments and and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Tiffany in the hot seat right now because I don't think she knows that she was an inspiration for me you know I love I'm a lifelong learner um you know I'll continue to take classes here and there a hobby maybe uh that you never know might change a a career path for me but um Tiffany went back to school later and I would say later for a doctorate and so did I um and when I saw other women in the industry of like visual arts and arts and I knew she was going back for her doctorate I was like wow you know that's really amazing I always wanted to do that let me do that and um you know seeing her fulfill her dream I followed that so I want to thank you Dr. Tiffany. <laughs> um, but what was that aha moment? Like, cause Lavette was saying about, you know, it's like this moment where her husband said like, what are you going to do? Are you going to do this? Like, you know, follow your dream, follow your passion. What was that moment for you, Tiffany, that you were like, okay, I'm going to go fulfill. I always wanted to get my doctorate. What can I, you know, how am I going to get this done? What was that moment for you that, that you knew that that was for you? Um, I think there was a lot of a lot of little things that fell into place at the same, you know, like sort of in the exact minute. Um, I saw the the program advertised at Rowan University. It was um, a, a not so much time between the application process and when you could start classes. And I had been looking at doctoral programs for years. It was something that I always wanted to do ever since I finished my master's. Um, but it was always really hesitant about the time, the money, um, and most of the programs that I was looking at weren't really what I wanted. I mean, I wanted, I wanted something that would allow me the flexibility to go outside of teaching an art-based program, um, but also gave me the ability to be creative because I have to be creative all the time. I have to be producing something that is creative um, in order to be happy and feel fulfilled. So I didn't want to be in something that was just very uh, sort of textbook or um, kind of linear, I guess is the best way to say it. But so um, when I saw the program at Rowan, it sort of really fit what I was looking for. And it also, between the time of submitting my application and starting classes was only about three months. Uh, And most programs, we're requiring that you apply in the fall and then you wait a year to take classes. And I didn't want to do that because I felt like as I was getting older and as time was passing by, I thought, you know, I got to get this. If I'm going to do this, I need to do it now. Um, so that those were sort of the, you know, non, non-interesting, I guess, aspects of going back. But it was always it's a, all the paperwork um, that we don't like to do, right? It's all it's yeah. all the red tape. <laughs> Us creatives can't um, handle that. And if you're creative and you're listening right now, you totally understand. We just want to get to doing our craft. All the other nonsense, we're just like, when can this all stop? So I totally understand about the applications yeah. and all the background stuff you gotta do we don't want to do that we want to get to it that's the only thing that's keeping me from my phd oh (laughs) i was like i have an mfa it's a terminal degree it's like a doctorate in art right (laughs) so i'll leave it alone (laughs) 
Sorry, we interrupted you. So, yes. so what was that moment, Tiffany? Like what, why at this point in your career, right? You're, you're an amazing, you know, professor, you have, you know, you, you have a ton of, you know, experience in your area and like, what was that moment that you were just like, now's the time? Well, and I, I think for, um, definitely for me, but for people that are creative, we're constantly trying to be better, right? We're always trying to be better than our last piece of artwork or last gig or whatever it was that we did yesterday. And for me, that still hasn't changed. I mean, now, now that I'm sort of done with the educational process, um, unless I go back for another degree, (laughs) um, I, I still am trying to be better. And so when I, I guess I noticed, um, so I guess in my classroom, you know, I, I was looking for ways to be uh, more inspirational or more creative and more engaged, more everything as a professor. And so I felt that the, the best way to do that is to become a student again and, and to learn something and to go outside of my comfort zone and sort of tackle these things that were almost the unknown um, for for a long time, like the research part of it, and you know, getting out in the field and conducting surveys and doing quantitative analysis, which is completely out of my wheelhouse. I totally um, agree. When we had to do <laughs> quant and stats, and I was like, I write scripts and like public service announcements and shoot corporate video projects. I'm like, I have never done anything like this <laughs> that's why i didn't get the phd there you go. i have this right. calculia so i couldn't get my phd when they said oh i have a math section this oh. calculia oh, that no. means i i invert numbers people yeah <laughs> numbers are oh, not no. my friends when they were like math and percentages and um I don't know like degree I was like what are we talking about this is so not my alley you know alley but you flipped the script and and I think that's really cool because I think all of us here in in a time in our lives of being creatives you have to flip the script you get into this rut or you get into one way of doing something you got to flip the script and I think that's what I love about talking to artisans and visual, you know, visual artists, um, you know, we change up our inspiration wherever that inspiration comes from, right? So for Tiffany, you flipped the script, you wanted to be the student, you're, you know, you've always been the instructor, the professor, you flipped the script, you're the student. Um, you know, Lavette has always had this, the hobby and then flipped the script. And it's like, now you're going full force into like the full-time gig and how that's gonna like play out. I mean, there's always that moment you know, and I think that happens to women a lot. Like we, we have these sectors in our lives where that flip the script, right? You become a mom, you flip the script, you're, you know, you're in your job, you want to change something or you want to get more inspiration or, you know, we, we, and, and we adapt and, and that's really, um, an amazing thing. And I think if we're creative individuals, if you're a creative individual, it literally is not always in what you do from the nine to five. Uh, that's why if I, I notice, I don't know if this happens to you, but I notice my creative, um, engine, so to speak, kind of flips every once in a while. Like I have a great idea for a new body of work and I'll be working on it and working on it. And then literally it's like, I run out of steam and I have to step back 
And then I'm like, okay, now what I'm going to do. And the next thing I, I have an idea for a book. Oh, let me start writing and I'll switch <laughs> gears and I'll start writing. Uh, or I'll start, uh, like I do writing, I, I curate. So I might have an idea to pull a certain group of artists together and reach out to a location and say, listen, would you like to have these artists? I know these artists, we can work together and we can have a exhibit, uh, so we tend to, as creative beings and women, learn, you know, women, we do that naturally. Sure. We do that better than men. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we know are. what? They're not listening, the, right? They're, they're the original. <laughs> we are the original multitaskers. I, I, Amen I, to that. You know, we, we can have a baby on the hip, cook the dip meal, plan out the accounting, do the taxes in our head, you know, and still make the husband feel happy when he comes in and get his big piece of chicken on the plate. <laughs> so, you know, we can do all of that. Uh, but we do also know our limitations. So we'll say, okay, listen, I've now got six balls I'm juggling. I can't do seven. I can't do anything else. So, so true. We, we learn. So when you both kind of feel like you need some sort of oomph, where do you go to find that? And, and I'm actually going to go to Tiffany cause I think I, I know maybe one of her answers cause one of her hobbies is her beautiful horses. And I'm wondering if you if you go out there and you go for a ride or you go and you groom or is that kind of where you escape and kind of develop new ideas and and get inspired and your creative juices flow? What is that for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've I've said it numerous times to uh, when people ask me, my entire dissertation was written on the back of a horse. <laughs> I love um, that. That should be a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, um, horse, horses for me, I mean, I, I've had horses in my life since I was eight years old, so I don't know a life without them. And um, they really are, you know, when you're out, I'm very much a, because I've been a horseback rider my entire life. I'm I'm very much into being out in nature, and I think I think being outside is really where I get my best ideas and my best um, my best inspiration. Because you're out in things that are just so organic and um, not forced. There's nothing forced outside. You know, horses horses live in the moment. They live in in what's happening right now to them They're They don't think about what happened two minutes ago. They don't think about what's going to happen to tomorrow. And there's, there's a great deal of peace that happens with that. Um, and you know, we definitely say in the horse world that there are best therapists because when we go out there and we're with them, we're forced to be in the moment with them. Um, and that's, that's more of a safety issue than anything else, but it's, it's very true. Um, and I think that, what really happens when I'm out there, even if I'm just grooming them or just taking care of them, feeding them, you know, turning them in and out, um, there's, there's, there becomes this almost cleared space for creation. Uh, and it, it really does allow me to go back to work with, a clearer head or clearer motivation in what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and how I'm going to do it. 
so um, yeah, and I, I, I think that's why probably why they've been a part of my life for so long, because it is that outlet um, that if I didn't have, you know, especially in the pandemic, you know, I hear all people talking about how much their lives changed when they were forced to work from home. But my, my life didn't really change. I mean, yes, I wasn't teaching in the classroom anymore, but um, the horses still had to get fed and the horses still had to go out. The horses didn't know that there was a pandemic going on. So that gives me a great deal of clarity in, in what I'm doing on the day to day, because you have that sort of, I don't want to call it an escape, um, but it, it sort of is. It's, it's it's like a no judgment. It's like a no judgment zone. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a freedom of clarity, like you're saying. And, and and the horse, it's like a no judgment zone. So it's this freedom to just release, let go, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and talk it out like within yourself or with the horse or, you know, whoever's listening. Right. And -hmm. I think that's really powerful. And I think, you know, what's, what is the saying that, um, they don't, horses don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And that is something that sort of resonates with me, even when I'm in the classroom with my students. And, um, it's, it's, it, it sort of kind of is one of those things that I just apply to all aspects of my life that, you know, I, I care enough about what I do in every aspect that. Um, that even if there's something that I don't know, I want to learn it because I care enough to learn it. So um, that's, I think that's yeah. important. And where's that space for you, Livette? Where's that escape or that calmness that maybe gives you that, you know, availability to release new ideas and to foster new ideas? It would probably have to be the closest place would be my studio. That's like my creative lab, my happy place. I go in there, and uh, when you get to a certain point in your career, you go to grad school, and you're in this bubble, right? Yeah. And you have all these other people to kind of help you out, to think things out and work things through. Uh, When you become an artist, a visual artist on your own, you have to work those things out on your own. Right. So you just need time and peace and quiet. Uh, For me, going into my studio, um, curling up on my couch, uh, pulling up uh, the internet and literally just looking through photos, uh, trying to find that next story that wants to be told. Uh, Sometimes I'll also depend on, I have this sister circle. And I've always had my best, best friend who I've been best friends with since I was at least 13 years old. And she's, but she's not artsy. She became artsy because of me. I'm sure through you. Yeah. <laughs> she had from, no choice. From all your shares yeah. and things. Yeah. She had no choice. She kind of became artsy. Uh, but, and we're so opposite, like personality wise. She's very much like, uh, uh, I'm, don't, don't mess with my girl. Don't don't go there, like that round away girl yeah. from LL Cool J. That's her. Oh, I uh, see. So I would always call her with figuring stuff out, but she didn't really help me figure it out. She more or less let me figure it out myself by asking the right questions. And that's somebody you always need yeah. in your life, right? To, yeah. To, to to not 
necessarily the word devil's advocate, but also play both sides yeah. and, and help you figure why, it out. Why do you want to only do women? What, what, yeah. Why these women? Why not? You know, she didn't know the answers herself, but she thought by asking the right questions, it would help. Uh, and then after my career kind of boomed, uh, it's the weirdest, most surreal feeling when you're writing these thesis papers and these papers in school about these people you admire. Yep. And next thing you know, you're on the phone with them. Hey, what you doing this weekend? Oh, nothing, Deborah Roberts. I'm just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, like Deborah, Deborah Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just fine. Lisa Butler. Oh yeah, she, yeah, she's she's on the cover of InStyle magazine. Yeah, yeah, she's gonna be on Vogue. Yeah, How it's you like doing? this How surreal moment. It's yeah. like this really weird moment. But they they're now you're they're no longer the people you admire and no longer your peers. But now they're your friends and they're giving you that good feedback. Like, I think you should look at maybe working with cloth. I work with cloth. I can kind of help you through. And then you're on this kind of rabbit hole. You know, like, what can I do with cloth? How can I work with it? With yeah, what's this? your next? What's your next move? So yeah. it, it's it got to be my studio. And the best thing I found was uh, this wonderful thing called artist residencies. Yep. <laughs> that is like, why didn't they tell us about this? <laughs> <laughs> they pay for you to go to these gorgeous places and you just sit out. And I'm not an outdoorsy. God bless you. Flies, bugs. I... <laughs> I like to look Tiffany's at the outdoors. Tiffany's like, I live in that like every day going out to the stable. I like to look at the outdoors. I love horses. I had a horse at one time, but I'm not outdoorsy. And I went to Yaddo in Saratoga Springs. Oh, my God. It was like life. I was outside in the wilderness dealing with outdoor stuff, and it didn't kill me. So <laughs> that's a plus. That was a plus. And the... The mind was like, how do I bring all this I'm seeing into my work? And that was a huge help. So, yeah. Now, I know you're saying about how do you bring these different things into your work? And uh, I know in your little short bio about uh, a little piece of artwork that was like on the cover of the Time magazine, uh, you know. Very nonchalant, by the way. <laughs> that's, the way that's the way I took it. Um, but I thought, you know talking about being with with one with the earth you bring this like peacefulness but also these really powerful history uh historical women into your work and I just kind of wanted to take a second and I was reading a little bit about how you came to pull that piece together and I would love for you to share with the listeners kind of how that came to be because it was one of those aha moments just like you said somebody's calling you and you're like oh my god it's so and so on the phone and you know and this is kind of how this magazine cover came about it was would you share sh yeah share your okay this your is story. a funny story be ready y'all okay late at night like most educators i'm up here grading papers looking at my stuff for the f next week it was a friday night uh, no, it was a Saturday night and I'm looking, doing papers and 
I check my email because being an artist isn't just sitting in your studio working. It's a business. So you get emails all the time. And I just happened to look at my email uh, and it was around 11 or 1130 at night. And it says DW Pine Time Magazine. And I thought, what the heck is this? This is spam, right? This is spam, (laughs) right? It's got to be spam. So I read it, but I more or less glanced over it. And then I read it again. And basically the gist of the email, which was very short, was been following your career, love your work. We're doing a special women's um, uh, anniversary edition of Time Magazine in March uh, honoring the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. We would love for you to do a cover. Did your jaw drop? Like what, what, what I was happened like, after you read this? So I stopped doing my grading. <laughs> really? <laughs> and my husband wasn't home. And so I, he was out of town, ta- like literally out of town. He was on a job. And I'm like, okay, I'm freaking, I'm freaking. This can't be real. Somebody's punking me. Like Ashton Kutcher is going to jump out at any moment. This is a joke. This isn't real. We're dating ourselves with Ashton yeah, Kutcher, you know. <laughs> I know. So I like trying to be professional. I wrote back, this sounds like something I would very much be interested in. Can you tell me more? <laughs> Crossing our fingers is not spam. Crossing my fingers is not spam. And trying to go to bed after that, mind you, it's 1130 at night at this point. You know you're not going to get an email back. But you're not going to sleep either because you're you're thinking. Yeah. had the weirdest dreams that night. I can't tell you. It was just the weirdest. I'm tossing and turning. My husband comes in from his night job next morning. He comes in the door and he's like, what? And I was like, I'm going to go in the shower, get changed. I'm like, honey, stop. I'm pulling out my laptop. Uh, you have to read this email. I got it last night. I, I want you to read it and tell me if it's a real thing because I'm freaking out right now. And so he's like, okay, can I do it after? No, you got to do it now. No, this is like <laughs> this is 911 like email. Exactly. You need to read. So he's reading the email and he goes and says, well, looks like it's the real thing. Real nonchalant like that? Real yeah. nonchalant. He was like, well, in his response email, I'm like, response email? He sent a response email. I didn't get. So apparently he had responded back. He was in California at the time. He said, um, he gave more information. He said, I want you to do the best boycotters for yes. this section of the magazine. Yes. He said, I can call you when I get home on Monday. I literally came into class that following day. I was freaking out all day Sunday and on the phone with my sister circle. Girl, do you think this is real? And they were like, well, that's huge. That's really huge. So I go to work the next day and my first class is a drawing class. And I literally came in. I said, listen, y'all. Okay. I'm expecting a phone call at nine o'clock. I know I normally don't do this, but I'm going to have to leave out the room and I'll tell you what it's about, because I'm very real with my students. I don't know if I'm like real, like they know about my kids, my grand, they know everything. I think, I think that gives you a connection with yeah. them. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Tiffany, do you share some of that with them? And I'm very I real. I think that's all part of us. I think yeah. that's all part of who we are that makes us who we yeah. are and the people we are. So yeah, I mean, These I totally kids agree. were like, okay, sure, Professor Vet, we got you. And so they're waiting. Did you get the call yet? No, I didn't get the call yet. What's the call about? I'll tell you when I get the call. So 
902 he calls me love it and he gives me all the deets and he basically they gave me a lot of money a lot of money uh, to do the cover. It's always good and uh i got to hold the rights to the work uh i was on a very short timeline he said all he said was that um it was going to be multiple covers it was going to be and he was giving me the lineup of these other artists micheline thomas twin atitulo um my friend bisa butler and you're sitting here like i can't believe i'm on this me? list <laughs> But see, that's so amazing. I yeah. mean, you must have felt so like so accomplished Lord, at that I was moment. Like, I, I immediately called my mom and I was like, Ma, you will not believe what she's like. Are you kidding? I knew you'd be rich. I'm like, I'm not going to be rich, <laughs> but this is huge. Yeah. Uh, so it was a great feeling. Um, it was kind of bittersweet because unfortunately the week the magazine dropped, nationwide uh some places my cover was there some other places the cover was in other parts of the country i had all my followers literally going to their local bookstores cvs you name it your mom's to, getting out my, your carrot and peas <laughs> pictures right now where, while yeah, she's waiting for it to drop where's where's the magazine and we found out it was only in the deep south mississippi alabama uh louisiana was the only place you can find it oh all the other covers were I all see. over the nation but people were sending me the covers which was great but um it was fantastic but covid the quarantine hit yep the same week so it was really bittersweet so i had had good morning america lined up uh with me and five of the other artists that went yeah uh uh local newspapers gone everything all the press gone so it was always there. It's still always there. You can't take it from me. Sure. I do have another cover coming out with them next year, which is great. But uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I did it. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like if you're an Olympian, like you win an Olympic gold medal, but you're helping out with your kids' soccer. Yeah. You know, and nobody knows. It's like, Really? <laughs> You have a gold medal. You're still doing your day job. You're still doing thing. your day job. So it's a great feeling. Um, I love that I got to do Rosa Parks. Yes. That was the best part of it all because I admire Rosa Parks so much. And I don't know about you, but I do a lot of research with my work. It's research-based. Sure. Um, I had no – I knew about Claudette Colvin. I knew about um, – uh, Susie McDonald, but I didn't know there were four other women involved with that lawsuit. Yeah, and when I read up on that, yeah. I didn't, I didn't either. And I then I read know. up on you and the piece, yeah. and I was like, I had no idea. And the piece is is beautiful. We will, we when we put this up, I will, yeah. will try and and link um, an image because it's stunning. Um, really, your piece and everything that you put into it, it's 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 absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. Um, and I love that you kept on with your sister circle. Yeah. Um, and I think we all need a sister circle. Oh, yes. And I was I was going to say, uh, Tiffany, do you have a sister circle? Like this group that is like, you know, keeps you going or you keep them going and you're all supporting each other. Who are those? Who, who's that sister circle for you? Um, for me, it's a mix of my sisters and my and friends. 
also um, people that, you know, I don't really, I mean, granted, when we, as we grow, I guess, for me anyway, because I'm, I'm sort of, I'm very introverted. I, I have a very small handful of people that are close to me um, that I uh, either correspond with on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And, and they're of various professions. They live in various parts of the world and we all bring to the table um, different things. And, and they definitely keep me inspired and motivated and grounded. And um, yeah, and and I would have to say that there are a couple of men involved in that too. (laughs) Not not just, um, not just women, but I do have some um, male figures in my life that, you know, outside of my family that have been with me as, you know, friends or part of my life in some way that um, since I was very young um, and, sort of the same thing you know that they're I know that they're there they're always there I can count on them um, no matter what and um, so they're really great great uh, a great circle of people to sort of bounce things off of whenever I need to so I think the the theme that I'm hearing in in our talks is that you know we always kind of have this support system through our careers and what I'd love to ask, and it's probably one of these typical questions, um, but if you were to give your young self advice, not knowing obviously now where you are, but if you were to give your young self that sister circle advice that you've, you're always, you know, getting, what would that be? Ta- you can take a second. <laughs> uh, isn't there the cardinal rule? You don't want to screw up too much in the past because it'll screw up the future. Isn't that the rule of time travel? So, <laughs> well, we don't have the flux capacitor or the DeLorean right now. So, but it is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, but if you could go tell uh, your Marty McFly of you know early early youthfulness on the way to discover yourself in your career what what would you have wished that you would know or somebody would have told you or do you think it would just be the same if you had asked me that question before grad school I probably would have said uh I would have went to grad school a lot earlier okay um because I went back to school full-time much later. I was that alternative student. Uh, But looking back over my career and what I've done with it, because I did go so late and I saw so much before then, I wouldn't change that. I would probably say to myself, certain men in my life, (laughs) girl, don't spend more than two months with him. (laughs) Is you'll learn everything you need to know within a month. Uh, travel more. I would have definitely yes. traveled more. Yes. Uh, opportunities I had to travel out of the country more. I probably would have taken on that. Uh, learn a different language. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I think that's probably any particular the one. one? Uh, Italian because I'm going to Venice this year and I think I would have wanted to learn Italian I'm all right on my French but Italian uh and probably uh 
Don't let your ambitions get in the way of you. Because a lot of time you're so anxious and even though no one knows this but your head, you're like, I should be doing that. I should, and, and it's a pressure, I think. Internal as a female, pressure, yes. Like, and I get, uh, especially now with the mass, I get a lot of, um, what do they call it? Uh, where you don't really, imposter syndrome. Ah, oh, yes. I'm, I'm in places that I wasn't in before, and I feel like I shouldn't always be in those places. So like I said, when I'm getting calls from these people who I admire, I'm like, why are you calling me? Why are you asking me? You know? So I would say to myself, listen, don't take yourself so, you know, seriously. You know, sometimes people come to you just because you're a good person or you have information. Uh I tell my students a lot of the time, especially when I'm teaching something like drawing, I say, listen, you're going to all come in here for different, uh, with different levels of experience. I'm not trying to have you leave here drawing like Rembrandt. Okay. Some people, we all wish, we all wish (laughs) some of you are already kind of coming in here almost at the level of Rembrandt. And some people can barely draw a straight line. If you can leave this class at the end of the term and do a simple hatching, cross hatching and draw a sphere, (laughs) I have done my job. Yeah, You've made it. Yeah. So you got to realize you have certain limitations and just like anything else, uh, art takes time. Uh, my kids get a lot of pressure. They're like, they go to school. They're like, Ma, my te- my art teacher knows you, and can you? I'm like, what? Why can't I draw like you? You have to understand. It took me like 20- you got to be you, and you <laughs> got to develop you. and foster that. Yeah, if it that's what years, they want to do. Yeah, years. So just not take yourself so seriously. And I think that's probably my best advice. Okay, Doctor Ruko. Your advice to your younger self, what would that be? I think, uh, I think know your worth. Um, Add I tax. Think one of- <laughs> Add tax. I love it. Especially coming into tax season here. Yes. Um, I think that it, it took me, although, you know, I've always been, I've always followed my passions. I've always followed what I want to do and I've worked hard to do. I worked hard to get to where I am. And, um, and that's something that was instilled in me from my parents. Um, my father is still, you know, he's always said to us, all of us girls, there's four girls in my family, um, that we can be anything we want to be. Um, and I always followed that. And I think along the way, one thing that I really haven't learned until my older years was um, knowing my worth and knowing knowing that I do belong in places that maybe I wasn't really seen um, as as being part of the the picture, I guess. Um, and one one example in particular uh, was when I worked for the governor of. New Jersey, uh, and I was a photographer for her, um, Governor Whitman. And I remember having, I I was mostly in a field of men. And I remember somebody coming up to me when we were on an event um, out in the field, and they made a comment. I don't remember the exact, what the exact comment was, but they made a comment to me about being a woman. Um, 
as a photographer in the field. And it, re- it that was an aha moment for me that I, I really, I said to myself, you know, I know that I'm good at what I do. I know that I am capable. I know that I belong here. Um, so even though I am the only female in this field of photographers, um, in the, in the press area, um, I know that I belong and I know that I'm worth it. So I think that is something that, um, you know, and, and I'm glad that that happened, that comment was made to me when it was, because it was still early on in my life that I was able to, to sort of carry that and, and get stronger in it as I got older. Um, but definitely, you know, before I got into the professional world, I think that that's probably the advice that I would have given to myself. And uh, I think for, for my last question here before we wrap it up, and I love that you use the term know your worth or I am worth it. I think those are key hashtags uh, <laughs> in life. And I want to put hashtags in front of some of the titles of Lavette's work, work because I think they're also amazing. Um, one of them is hashtag I am enough. Hashtag broken yet healed and hashtag she reigns. I think all of those for women's history month could be amazing hashtags that women should follow really. Um, But if we had to create a hashtag for ourselves, what do you think would be your motto? Like your hashtag of where you are right now, if you had to create one, so we have, I am worth it, know your worth, I am enough, broken yet healed, she reigns, all powerful hashtags, which you both have just, obviously, you've created. I think for me, um, <clears throat> I, and I know it may be, it may sound cliche or be quite cliche at this point in time, but um, I live, I, I do everything that I do every day with the idea in my head of being the change. And for me, no matter whether I'm teaching my students, whether I'm riding my horses, whether I'm volunteering or donating or doing something in the community or no matter what it is, I'm always thinking about how my simple acts on a daily basis um, create start the ripple. Um, so I think that would be my mantra or my hashtag is to, well, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't say be the change because those aren't my words. Uh, maybe it should be start the ripple. <laughs> I like that. Start the ripple. Start hashtag. The ripple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And Lavette, what about you? I, I think I have two. Um, representation matters. Love it. Uh, mainly because uh, I didn't know any black artists that were female growing up. Uh, you go to a museum, they don't always say African-American artists. Uh, so unless the uh, subject matter has a black person, in, you have no clue. Um, had I saw them and knew it, who's to say where my career would have started? would have started a lot earlier uh not only that but I think back to 
the first time I got to meet Elizabeth Catlett, my idol. And she's she's just a little old lady, and she just was, you know, and all I kept thinking, she just doesn't know how much what she did inspired so many other artists, not just female artists, not just black artists, but artists in general. And um, if you don't grow up seeing certain things, just like she was saying, her father inspired her and her sisters to do anything. If you don't see that growing up, and even though your parents can tell you and say, like my mom, oh, yeah, you can be an artist, but only but so much, you know, because she had no clue that you could do this. Um, representation matters. So I all the time have young people coming to me. Uh, a matter of fact, my one of my proudest moments was this little girl who did her Black History Month report on me. And, I love it. And she dressed up like me for a black and wax museum oh, at her school. Cute. And she had her hair kind of twisted up like mine and her little mantra t-shirt. And all I kept thinking was, yes, my mom would be so proud I did it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I inspired her. And thus she'll inspire her children and so on and so on. Uh, and I guess the other one would be, unapologetic I think every female needs to be unapologetic you know we do what we do because we do it It, we shouldn't have to give any apologies to how we do it we just do what we do and we do it well yeah and if we screw up you don't have to apologize for screwing up because it's a learning experience so those would be it representation matters and unapologetic I love all of them um, yeah. And I just want to thank you, Lavette, and Dr. Tiffany Rucco for joining us today. It yes. has been an amazing journey. It's been an honor to speak with both of you today. And remember, we have to remember that women are celebrated this month. And if you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you, the Baroness at RCBC. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt. And until next time. We hope to see you soon. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC podcast network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast available on all streaming platforms.